The worst kept secret in the luxury social events industry is that businesses are developed through networking, referrals and word of mouth. RSVP puts all of you in the room and lets the conversations happen. We are a member networking community for the elite of the global wedding and party industry, producing symposium conferences, awards, networking theme parties, breakfast clubs, and now weekly member podcasts and much more. So welcome to the RSVP In Conversation With podcast. My guest today describes herself thus. I have a long-standing and romantic relationship with the theatre. Light camera action for my debut role, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, aged eight. My second, Duke Orsino in Twelfth Night. I presume all middle children are performers. What's more irresistible than the love of an obliged, applauding audience? Alas, no BAFTA. Following a brief stint at drama school in New York at the age of 18, the life of an actor wasn't the life for me. Not enough certainty. Not enough control. Vis-a-vis, I took up the life of an event planner. I remain to this day in awe of performers for their guts, grit and creativity. Raised by loving, hard-working parents in northwest London, I'm tenacious and ambitious at best, impatient and self-flagellating at worst. I am fascinated by people and the human condition, philosophically, psychologically and all things in between. I deeply believe that contentment is all we need. Happiness is an aspiration and moments of awe are worth finding. Creating moments of awe has become the driving force behind my immersive work. Where do I find joy? A dirty martini, a bungee jump, singing ABBA with great conviction, cold water swimming, family, and another dirty martini. Welcome, Amy Rowe. Thank you very much. I have to ask one thing uh, before we go on. Drama school in New York at the age of 18, was it the kids from fame? Oh, I mean, not quite. Not quite. A bit later in the timeline. <laughs> well, yes, you are quite as old as me. So, so yes, <laughs> yes. Um, 20 years earlier, you would have been the, the kids from fame, probably. But an amazing experience. I don't normally do this, but as I don't think many people will know who you are or what you do. And that's because, not because you don't do amazing things. You're a little bit under the radar and... You've, you've been in this side of the industry for not as long as maybe other people. So I'm going to give you a bit of a plug, okay? And I've, I've never done this before, okay? So, Aneiro, tell me what you and your company actually does. 30 seconds. Thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, my background is is immersive theatre. That's the kind of large-scale to public, thousand-capacity audience. But really, the most important thing with that is the attention to detail of bringing to, bringing to life these immersive creative worlds that live in people's nostalgia that live in people's sort of long-term memory and AVR takes all of those fundamentals and creates highly detailed sort of high value immersive experiences for the luxury market all of the things that I learned in that world they transfer in a way that create the memories all the same and what we're really trying to do with events, with private events, weddings, 40th, 50th bar mitzvahs, we're trying to build something that will be a moment that will last a lifetime. That's that's what we do with, with AVR. No problem. And um, if you mind me saying, you used to be the producer of Secret Cinema, didn't you? So, And most people, I think, listening will probably know that. And uh, having been to several myself, and imagine lots of other people have also been to them, you know the detail and the quality that goes into doing those uh, productions. You're bringing that expertise and that experience over into our world, which is just wonderful. 
Now, you you came to our event in Madrid, you're coming to our event in Venice, and then for Istanbul next year, you are doing the entertainment. So it's going to be very immersive and very, very different, probably the, the, the what's gone before, and and we can't wait. Yeah, we have no idea what we're doing yet, but but it's going to be amazing. I know it is. It's gonna it's gonna be something really fabulous. I can't wait. Really, really can't wait to to show those things. Okay, so let's take you back to Northwest London, your childhood. So, what was your first memory, and um, what influences you? What do you think you learned from growing up in Northwest London? You know, when I think back on the way that we were raised, and where we were raised, and by whom we were raised, you know, I think we were very lucky. Broadly, you know, two parents. My mum was Glaswegian, you know, working class. My sister was the first person to have higher education in the family, and my dad, a sort of Northwest London boy, and they really, really, really wanted the best for us education, extracurricular. So we were sort of pounding the piano, you know, from age four and by our early teens, we'd all, you know, done all all of our grades and everything like that. We were very fortunate, I think, and memories are tearing around the suburbs on rollerblades. You know, it was a very safe, and I'm sure some of your your community will know how to go in the suburb, a very Uh safe, really, really, really lovely place to be raised. Very ordered, I think. Very ordered. Very neat. Very neat. Very ordered. Yes. People that don't know it think that they can't tell a road apart. But of yes. course, you know, if you're from there, you you know it like the back of your hand. First memory. I mean, this is a combination of remembering and being told repeatedly by my father, who I think just loves it as an anecdote now more than the story itself. We were all, I'm one of three, I'm the middle child of three, got a younger brother, older sister, and we were all put in the same primary school so this is age four and you know I have memories of that of that school I remember I was wearing an eye patch in my my reception year and I remember that (laughs) very well what is it was that just an optional extra or 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 did you have a condition it would it would be it would be very on brand for the immersive work if it was if it was a prop but uh, alas it was it was just a lazy eye but you remember that age the kind of things Mm -hmm. you remember and Mm -hmm. I was you could call it excluded you could call it removed from that school because it was said that I was sort of trying to tell the teacher how to run the class and the school turned around at the end of the end of the first year. So I would have been four or five at that point and said, you need you need to take her somewhere else, effectively. And I think my <laughs> So you weren't quite expelled, but they asked you to leave. They asked me politely to leave. And I yes. think that if you ask my dad how that's how that went, apparently it wasn't that polite and they whipped me out quicker than you can blink. <laughs> and they and they put me in another school. And 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 to, you know, to the point about loving parents, I think hearing that, you know, for a young age and thinking, right, you know. They don't want her. We don't want them. We're going to put her somewhere else. And I, you know, moved on to another school. And you were challenged to the authority, weren't you? You were challenged. Yes. Challenged. I am actually a rule abider. I would say generally, okay. but I think, okay. um, yeah, I was sort of. You could call it disruptive. You, you could you could call it coming up with new systems <laughs> to do things <laughs> from a young age. Well, um, a five-year-old telling the teacher how to run the class better is something else. I must admit, <laughs> I've not heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hear the end of it. <laughs> okay, so we all are creative people, and you—you you obviously you told us what your side is, but is it actually your favourite art form, the acting performance side, or is it music, art, dance, film, something else? You know, the thing with theatre, I think I was going from a very young age. My 
my parents went to every musical you know they were at the National Theatre all of the time and you know within the family it was also there but and I studied I studied drama I went on to do a degree with drama you know I think there's a shift once you you get into the point where you're really acquiring your own taste where you go from okay I'll go to another Shakespeare okay so I'll go to another thing that effectively being a very it ends up being a very extensive nap so it's always been my favorite art form and it, it now really passionately is I have to say and this is a slightly unpopular opinion I think I love musical theatre mm-hmm. I really do and I it's it doesn't even necessarily align with my taste in art my taste in fashion I think for me it's the spectacle musical theatre re- I mean done well mm-hmm. done badly yeah. it's the worst thing in the world so it's unbearable done well it is magnificent you have a live orchestra in the pit and that on its own you know I can watch the conductor and for me that's mm-hmm. theatre I think it's so fantastic you have you know, harmony in a, in a chorus you have beautifully synchronized dance and what I see when I watch that is behind the scenes because you you know as everyone will know that's a creative you can't not if you're if you're a planner and you go to an event you go to a wedding mm-hmm. you can't not think oh that speaker should be a bit louder um, and so what I see is the rehearsal and the camaraderie and the sweat and uh, yeah I, I, I love musical theatre. Okay so if a backer came to you and said Amy here is a massive amount of money and I'm going to back you to do a West End musical show which one would you choose? Easy answer. Easy answer because when I was going to jump back but it's it's with with the uh, with your question in mind. My dad was very entrepreneurial all, all through his life. I mean, mm-hmm. he's now in his sort of mid-70s and he he is still coming up with some good, some bad, some ugly, but but ideas. And when <laughs> I was <laughs> and when I was younger, when we were younger, he wrote a Beach Boys musical. Oh wow. And a lot of my musical influence is from him, really, you know, mm-hmm. and it so happens, you know, him and I will go, you know, we'll go sort of go to musicals now together it's a lovely thing that we do he's he adores the beach boys and therefore i do as well i think it really takes you back to that sort of point in the 20th century and so he wrote the beach boys musical and he met with brian wilson you know he went over to um he went over to la he got the rights as well did he so that's actually where it stumbled and he went to new york and he watched the a company did get the rights in the 90s and he went and watched Mm -hmm. it in rehearsal and he sat there and he thought, this is a pile of shit. This isn't going anywhere. Lo yeah. and behold, it went onto Broadway and it tanked in, I think, 20 shows. Yeah. He went as Brian Wilson's guest to the Hollywood Bowl. You know, he got really very far. And conceptually, and of course, I've, re- I've read the treatment. And if I, to answer your question, if I got a, a tank load of investment, it would be that, without a doubt. And okay. So it was a different show than what was premiered on Broadway. That was a completely oh, separate, yeah. totally, yeah, yes, totally yes. separate creative direction, totally separate concept. But because the version that your father didn't write tanked on Broadway was the view that oh well, this isn't a viable proposition going forward for for your investors and and your father. Is that really what happened? No, it's not so much mm-hmm. that. It's that the rights. It this just comes down to sort of slightly boring. Mm-hmm. It comes down to IP and rights. You know, after yeah. that, they weren't released again. Okay, but gotcha. you of course need a you know. In the dream world where you've got the funding and you can you can have the right conversations to get the rights, it would be that. Because I also think the soundtrack is magnificent. Well, God only knows what it would have become. Oh, there we go. Uh, there we go. Yes. 
<laughs> that's that's wonderful. That's a fascinating story. That's brilliant. Mm. And if you had the second chunk of money, would there be a second musical apart from the one that you've got a very personal family affection for? Is, is there a favourite musical that you've seen perform that that you you think okay, well I, I I'm going to see that every night of the week virtually until I get really bored. Gosh, there are loads. I think I actually saw the Book of Mormon recently, and I thought that was very good. Mm-hmm. I think I think Hairspray is a fantastic musical. I mean, there are so many. You know, with something else, the beauty of the Beach Boys, for, as a for instance, is that there is it's so thoughtful. The process is so thoughtful, and I think I don't know. I think if I had if I had the opportunity to do something else, it would wouldn't so much be what's the musical. It would be who are the creatives out there, yeah. the really talented musical directors and writers and performers to collaborate yeah. with. It would be that's that would be the way around that I would approach it. Okay. Uh, because there's a and one of your questions was about sort of TV. There's a there's a I think there's huge amount of power and potentially the, the greatest success in creative collaboration. Okay. And uh, would you direct the musical? Or would you would you produce it as well, and so, or, or even star in it? As we know from your from, from the <laughs> intro, my 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 days under the spotlight are over. Okay. I would okay. I wouldn't be able to not produce it. And actually, I love I love direction. You know, I enjoy and AVR. We we take you know I take on the creative direction overall. I'll always sort of put the the broad brushstrokes of something in place. But I'm also a big believer in specialism, and I am by my nature a producer. And I know uh-huh. that I have the fundamental skills to do that very well. And there is someone else out there that will be a fabulous director. Uh-huh. So collaborative, but you know, would I like to do everything? Yes. Would I delegate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, somebody once told me for a few years ago, and it's so true that the stage is an actor's medium because mm. once you're on there, you are in control. Mm. I mean, no, no one else can can change what you do in theory once the, the performance is going on. So it is an actor's medium. Film is a director's medium. They run the show. Yes. Um, television is a producer's medium. They are the showrunner. They are in control of everything. So, and I thought that was, mm, depends which hat you want to be on. That's where you focus your attentions. Yeah, absolutely. So, any other art forms apart from musical theatre? Music, do you go to gigs? Do you have a favourite band? Do you have a, anyone's poster on your wall in your bedroom when you were growing up? I absolutely did, James. And <laughs> well, I'm not, go. I will not. <laughs> I don't think of my musical taste, which I would say broadly, and I totally, I totally back this, is is pretty mainstream because I think pop through the decades has been amazing. You know, I love the sort of the Shangri-Las, Crystals, Renettes of the '60s, and then the Beach. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of, I think the pop, and I think the pop today is 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 you know some of it is really brilliant. The pop in the '90s, the posters on the wall are not exactly. posters that I'm going to tell you about. Take that. Oh, it wasn't quite take that. Oh, I was, right, it was okay. more it was more your sort of backstreet boys. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. The American um, version of take that. Exactly. <laughs> the one uh thing that I've sort of got on loop at the moment, and I do uh, that is my personality. I tend to find something and it might be something that's new, it might be something that's old, and I can re- I can loop it, you know, and I won't get I won't get bored. I went to the Abbott experience, mm-hmm. you know, this kind yeah. of multi, multi, multi million. I've, you know. I've, I've heard it's wonderful. So many people have seen it and everyone's raving about it. It, it is brilliant. And it's, you know, I already, I liked Abbott in a karaoke booth. You know, I like Abba, but they've done something technologically really innovative there. 
Um, and Secret Cinema did the same thing in the sense that when they're we did there. The Empire Strikes Back for a year, it went yeah. up to the top of the box office, having, you know, they're however there. long after its release date. They've brought ABBA back across generations. And least of all, you know, I think that I think the music is wonderful and it's it's joyous and uplifting. The the show is also spectacular. And I actually have worked before with the guys that have done this incredible sort of ringing in the ceiling. The, the uh, yeah. three, 360 and and the sort of um hologram technology is is wonderful. And I hope they do that for more bands because it's very meaningful uh-huh. for a lot of people. Well, there's there's talk of Elton John now that he's retired. That's how he will continue. Be- Beatles, Elton John, it's gonna be it's gonna be the classics. I- Even the Beach Boys, give your father the the idea, and he can get it organised. Give him the nudge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I saw Elton actually at Glastonbury for his his final. Did you? Oh, mm. be wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. I'm gonna have to get that because they won't go away. <laughs> it's okay. We can pause. It's we okay. can edit it no out. Problem. Yeah, no problem. It's my smoked salmon delivery. I mean, you can't stop it. <laughs> You're a good Jewish girl from North London, aren't you? Uh, you, you can really take you can, you can yes. take her out. <laughs> okay, and actually, just just going back to the Abba Voyage experience and Elton yeah. John and everything. I mean, Istanbul is going to be amazing. So you know, we are expecting something similar. You know, Tom and, and I would, G. I would, yes. I would do nothing less. <laughs> That's wonderful, wonderful. Okay, and your your performing talents and your special talents. Do they come out when you get have a few drinks too many, or? Do you, do you go into the karaoke booth or around the dinner table, Christmas, break out into a song and dance routine? Uh, you know, I think this is this is probably something that is a very familiar feeling to a lot of people. I did act and I was probably okay. You know, not fantastic, but I was probably okay. No one ever told me that I could sing. I was never I was never given that confirmation, and yet. You know, I can be pottering around the streets of Soho, singing away, just un- under my breath, but, you know, the mood strikes. And I'm thinking, if someone hears me, they, <laughs> m- they, they might ask me if I'm represented. Yeah, they may do. You could be discovered yet. You could be. I, I And I can't sing, James. The truth is, I, I absolutely can't sing. But I, the karaoke booth, absolutely. Um, amongst, I work with some sort of... Um, some drag artists, some really, really fabulous ones that are sort of ex-RuPaul and then they go to the private private event scene. And I'm sure you know, I don't know whether you would have watched an episode of RuPaul, the sort of the lip sync is a is a big thing in the in the drag scene. Mm-hmm. And I I can do a good lip sync to a power ballad. So okay. in the karaoke booth, if it's not, if I'm not belting it, which I probably am depending on the time of night, I can do a good lip sync. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So, okay, you you have a bar in your home. And um, and you're doing it up at the moment, so you, you'll probably be, be building one, okay? And behind this bar is every drink in the whole world, and the mm. best barman, uh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. What do you order? What's your drink of choice, given a fully stocked bar? I, I, and I do have a fully stocked bar in my home. Yes, I do. Is it is it always a dirty martini? Because I know that that was in the introduction. But but you can have too many of those in an evening, and you get into a mess. You you can. So when I was, you know, just graduated, I was trained as a sort of cocktail bartender. So I I I, I would love this best barman in the world behind my bar. But also I can I can make a good one myself. Mm-hmm. I love a margarita. I love tequila based cocktails. I love a pisco sour. 
there's actually at the Nomad, at the, there's a bar in there called the Side Hustle, which is a tequila, it's effectively a tequila cocktail bar, and they do, mm-hmm. they do brilliant cocktails. A dirty martini is my drink of choice at the moment. Um, I actually went to Duke's. Have you been there? In Mayfair. Yes, I have. Yes. They're famous or infamous for their dirty martinis, and they're good. You know, it's the whole, it's the whole sort of theatre of it. They roll out the trolley and the white gloves, and they have a two martini limit. They will not serve you more than two. And so I go with my one of my girlfriends who we, you know, we re- we really love to put away a dirty martini. So we have one, and it is, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's not small. Uh, but then, of course, there's a two limit. So why wouldn't we have two? And this is pre-theatre. <laughs> so we then went off to see. I mean, it was a hot ticket in the West End. I, I can't remember what exactly what it was. And we got in there and there was the sort of, there was the very demure sort of closing of one eye, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> and we're sort of sitting there, we're thinking, we fucked it. It's two, <laughs> two, and I can tell anyone listening, two dirty martinis at Duke's in Mayfair is too many uh-huh. before the theatre. You won't make it through the second half. Okay. And, we didn't. and don't tell me after the performance, you went back and had two more. No, I think we went and something else. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, so that's your drink, okay? And if you had a choice of food, if you had some chef come to your home or you went to a restaurant, what kind of food would it be? Uh, there's a few that come to mind. So I spent a month, a couple of months in uh, Thailand when I was a late teenager. I must have been 18. And, you know, we, there, we, we, we sort of didn't have a lot of money then, you know, poodling around with our backpacks and they did you know pad thai thai street food on on the side of the road in that in that kind of white poly polyester container and they were amazing and they cost i think 50 baht then which is probably 50 pence yeah and Mm -hmm. they were fab i mean so fresh and so amazing and i love thai food i've always loved thai food since then so a good a good pad thai, a really well-made pad thai. And I also mm-hmm. have been to, you know, been to Israel a couple of times. And there are these kind of, if you go up to sort of Jaffa, which is a sort of, has a huge amount of Arabic influence, the kind of pitta and hummus that you get on just on the side of the road there mm-hmm. is so good. And of course, you have all of these places now that do wonderful Middle Eastern food. It, it would be one of those. It would be one of those. But it, it will always, for me, it will always be, connected to a memory of travel <laughs> typically i mean i sort of love to travel um so food food will always the influence will come from some trip and some memory okay so we mentioned travel we mentioned travel now if you've traveled as much as you've had a life experience in the theater and everything else then you've probably been around the world several times but is there a favorite place for you to go if you wanted to relax just 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 go somewhere with your partner and and just chill out for a week or two and you because you've just had some amazing events and were really hard you thought i deserve a break where do you go to i'm gonna give you two places one is less feasible for my post-event break but it would be my first choice which is new zealand uh-huh. uh, so it's the reason i've only been once is because you know you, you can't get further away than that and maybe that's the maybe that's the point maybe that's why it's such a fabulous place <laughs> yeah. to go i think it is magnificent i mean the the sort of the nature there and the hikes and um you know you can go glacier hiking and all of that sort of cold water stuff is very up my street so i would go there i would get a really i mean a really luxe camper van mm-hmm. and if i can have three weeks three to four ideally mm-hmm. you know 
pile into the camper van and drive around the, the sort of North Island and down to the South Island. Okay. Do the whole Kiwi experience thing. Yes. The whole Kiwi experience. And other than that, the other place that I now really feels like home, it's sort of a home comfort, is Puglia in the south of Italy. Uh, my sister got married there in 2019, so pre-pandemic. And of course, I sort of helped her. There, you know, she was very, 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 very capable. I sort of helped her plan the wedding. But that meant that we went on a couple of site visits before and we've been every year since. And you kind of, if you fly into sort of Bari, and then you got, you've got this beautiful opportunity of places down the coast, you know, Polignano Amari and Monopoly all the way down to Lecce. And I was there about a month ago. It's just fabulous. The white town, the white city, Lecce, full of... Um... Exactly that, yeah. All the sort of lovely Baroque architecture and nice bars. And yeah, so Puglia. If I'm going for a week, I just want to hop on the plane and, and hang out. Because it's also, I think, I've sort of... I like my, my, my comforts, you know, the things that I know as well as the things that I don't. And when you really want to switch off and and drop into a sort of nothing state, it's somewhere I've been before. No. Okay. Now, naughtiness is 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 part of the uh, RSVP DNA. And I've asked this question to almost everybody and people just don't, won't tell me anything, which is, which is not because there's no one listening. There's, there's just me and you here. So it's fine. So what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done? I mean, I can understand why people wouldn't tell you, but I... <laughs> I will, I will give you, I will give you what I've got. So I'll give you two, actually. Go on. The first, I mean, when I was a teenager, and I think this is a product of growing up in London, from the age of 13, it was kind of project, tell your parents you're one place and be somewhere else. So we were going, you know, and I, and I remember this so fondly and so well, the place that we said we were going was uh, there's a Pizza Express sort of uh, uh, Great Portland Street. So we go, oh, we'll just go for dinner, 13 years old. Oh, we'll just go for dinner at Pizza Express and then back to someone's house. And then we were out, the clubs then, which I'm sure they're not called now, sort of Tantra and Attica, you know, these West End clubs, six inch heels. Mm -hmm. And you were 13? 13, 14, you know, Mm -hmm. got got the fake ID from the uh, the travel agent up in Northwest London. (laughs) And where I might have pushed that a little bit too far, I we went on we went on holiday in Spain and met these uh, met these boys. So we were again we were thirteen. These boys must have been sort of fifteen, sixteen, and they lived in Bradford. Lovely, lovely, lovely Bradford. Lovely Bradford, yeah, up north. Yeah, yes. wonderful. Came down to London, did they? Bloody yeah. hell! Yeah, no, they didn't come down to London. I mean, that's that that, that was the problem. <laughs> so I I would say to my my poor parents, going to go to and this will resonate for Northwest Londoners, going to go to Brent Cross going to go to Brent Cross and go shopping at Brent Cross. And I would hop on a train and go up to Bradford and oh, see these boys. That's quite a long way away from Brent it's Cross. Quite, it's quite a long way. And, you know, I think that's probably where the performance, that's probably where the performing comes in because, you know, they call you go, yeah, just, yeah, just out of H&M, you know, while we're doing God knows what up in Bradford. And then a sort of later in life, one for the confessional would be, I am a proud member of the Mile High Club. Oh, well, there we go. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, we don't need to go into any further details. Not, as I'm sure you won't even divulge them. So there we go. Oh, oh absolutely not. It's just, it's just the, ba- it's the badge. It's, it's just the, the badge. badge. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, and is there anything you want to confess? Get off your chest? Is there, is there anything you did that you, you just think, oh, no, I should come clean about this? 
you're the middle child, so did your elder or younger sibling take the blame for anything when you were younger? Or, or I mean, you you have confessed that you went to Bradford and not to hate, not to break cross, which is one hell of a detour. Yes. So not not so much when we were much younger. And I, I have to say, I'm you know when you have strict parents, you tend to be quite good at abiding rules. I think all of all of the stuff that I've just said aside. But something that happened that is still sits it's still under my belt is I mentioned my sister's wedding in Puglia, mm-hmm. and of course I will caveat I wasn't a paid planner I was a sister slash maid of honor slash planner slash all of the, all of the rest of it. This is in 2019, and we did a whole we did a five day thing. So it was sort of welcome drinks and then dinner for the for the wedding parties and then pre-wedding evening, wedding day, day after the wedding. So it was a whole, it was a whole, whole week. And the day, and there was sort of 20, the, the wedding parties were staying on site. So we went off to the Ostuni Town Hall for them to, to, for them to get married. And then we came back to the wedding, the sort of where we were staying and where the, the reception party was. And the evening before the wedding, so my sister and my brother-in-law have gone off to have their sort of last night together in a sort of truly mm-hmm. all, 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 yep. all the way down the way. And we come back to the house and, you know, the groom's mother is there and one of the best men. And we get back and the house has been burgled. You know, one of the other bridesmaids, all of her jewellery has gone. There's a sort of, I think, an iPad or something and the jewellery also of the groom's mother. And one of the best men and I looked at each other. We sort of gathered everyone. We looked at each other. We said, no, absolutely not. Not telling them that. Yeah. And so we sort of rallied everyone together. We didn't, we, apart from the groom's mother, who had gone directly outside to message her son and say, burglary, all okay, but burglary, you know, straight away the evening before the wedding, um, which fortunately we, we managed to delete because there was no signal in, in the middle of the Puglian countryside. <laughs> and we just thought, you know what? Everyone, everyone's okay with what's, what's physically gone missing. It's Good not, that. it's not worth them finding out. And so we never told them. Wonderful. We're, yeah. <laughs> Did they still not notice this date? No. No, they don't. Well, unless they listen, they listen to this, obviously. Unless they listen to this, I might have a quick chat with them this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's uh, if they don't work in the industry, it's very unlikely that they'll listen to this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay. So we're coming to the end. I'm afraid this is. Um, you've had your lot today, uh, but a wonderful conversation. So thank you, Amy Rowe, frustrated performer. Musicals lover, a two martini limit girl, street food aficionado, honorary Poulian, and secret Bradford dweller. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for listening to this RSVP podcast. If you'd like to go onto our mailing list or join RSVP, then please go to our website at rsvp.club or email me at james at rsvp.club. Please keep your feedback coming and speak to you all next week.